The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Schaap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to E-Commerce Growth Week on the MarTech Podcast. This week, we're going to publish an episode every day talking about how you can launch, grow, and scale your e-commerce business. Joining us for E-Commerce Growth Week is Roly Saxiano, who's the president of AdRoll, which is an e-commerce marketing platform that gives growing D2C brands the power to connect with customers wherever they are. AdRoll's machine learning engine uses established data on over 70% of the world's online shoppers to predict behavior, ad engagement, and store performance better than anyone. And in addition to being our guest today, Roly and AdRoll are a sponsor of the MarTech Podcast. So far this week, Roly and I have talked about operationalizing your e-commerce business, how to drive awareness to those businesses, and using content and community to scale your business without relying solely on paid advertising. Today, we're going to continue the conversation talking about extending the lifetime value of your customer. All right, here's the fourth installment of E-Commerce Growth Week with Roly Saxiana from AdRoll. Roly, welcome back to E-Commerce Growth Week on the MarTech Podcast. Great to be back. Excited to continue our conversation. You know, so far this week, we've talked about not only getting your store set up, there's an increase in the number of ways e-commerce marketers can build a store, Shopify being one of them, Amazon, eBay, all the platforms. The challenge becomes building your awareness, standing out in a crowded e-commerce marketplace. And yesterday we talked about how you can use your content to attract the right consumer, to retarget them with paid advertising, but also you're re-engaging them and trying to drive virality through building a community. So I want to talk and move beyond just how do I acquire my customers and focus more on the back half of your e-commerce business. We've got this flywheel between our content and our retargeting, our advertising engines that can get someone through a funnel. What are some of the ways that I can keep those customers coming back so I'm not always reliant on finding new customers? Talk to me about the strategies for extending your lifetime value of a customer. You've said it really well. I think a lot of our conversations really revolved around what it takes to bring customers to your site. So that's a combination of content and paid advertising and community. But once they're on your site, it is really important to figure out ways that you can actually drive them through a buying cycle and then bring them back and create that loyalty cycle with them. We all know acquiring customers is twice as expensive as retaining them and creating more value through repeat purchases. 
But for some reason, only 18% of e-commerce brands that we've actually researched invest in lifetime marketing. And so the question I would ask is, why does that happen? Why is only a fifth of all the e-commerce brands really invest in lifetime marketing? It's because it is hard. It is really, really hard to do that. And it becomes easier as you've been in the market for a while and you have enough data around estimating what is the lifetime value of a customer. It is much harder when you're just getting started. That said, I was looking at some statistics of recently IPO'd companies, the e-commerce brands that have gone public recently. The interesting thing is 80% of the ones that have recently gone public The ones that actually have multiple products and are able to drive the recurring spend with those companies are far more successful and have a higher value than the ones who don't have the repeat customer buy built in. The world wants to put you in a SaaS model. They want to put you in some sort of a recurring billing model. And it's a little counterintuitive to what we think of e-commerce brands. You were mentioning companies that recently went public in e-commerce. I was trying to think of some of them. The first one that popped into my head, I think Warby Parker just went public. And so I think of Warby Parker as I, I get a pair of glasses. They send me the frames, I pick them out, or now you can go into a store depending on where you live. And I get the frames and I'm done. I Maybe in five years from now, my frames break, you know, depending on how old your kids are. Maybe it's two years in my household. It's probably a year and a half because we have two little ones. But they're not exactly disposable pieces of e-commerce goods. And I'm sure that Warby Parker has some sort of a subscription model built in where you're getting new lenses because they get scratched or new sunglasses or cleaners. The goal of all the e-commerce businesses is to not only get you buy one product, but to get you to maintain that product with them. Are, are there examples of other businesses? You know, it, it doesn't come up to the top of my head of what Warby Parker's would be, but what are some other examples of these subscription models that people have built in? So Warby Parker is a great example. It has both an element of subscription that you just talked about, which is like, hey, we recognize that your lenses would scratch in every six months, so let's send you another pair of lenses. They also have other products like your sunglasses. So the minute my daughter, she just bought her Warby Parker glasses, she was like literally three weeks later, she got content on why it's important to have certain sunglasses that are UV protectant. And so you could have multiple products that you're driving to it. The other example that comes to mind is Allbirds recently went public. They are selling shoes at the highest level, but they are now selling walking shoes. And now they have different colors and design. You've got a fall season. So the ability for you as a brand to start creating both in your product but also in how you market your product and create that level of repeat buy is very important. What we're talking about is not only subscription models, but also product extensions. So I think from a marketing perspective, and maybe let's call this a brand perspective, the world can get a little complicated when you start moving away from what you're really known for, right? There's a little risk when it comes to, all right, well, we're a brand that creates the world's greatest shorts. And then all of a sudden, we're going to start creating tops. And now people come onto the site, and they're not sure what to look for, shorts or tops. I think of brand X as the shorts brand, and now they're selling everything. I'm confused. There's too much going on. I'm going to abandon my cart. So how do you think about what is a worthwhile product extension to create? I think it is not only risky to start extending your product too quickly, It is also important to understand how you make that extension so it doesn't feel like it is completely a different line of product that's confusing. So 
if you're an early stage e-commerce brand, keeping that clarity of what you're selling is very important. To your example, if you're selling shorts, being known for shorts is very important. Now, where you could start experimenting with extension in your product at the right stage is go from shorts that you use for outdoors when you go out hiking with friends to potentially extending that to shorts that you may actually use for playing tennis. So you start creating extensions, but that extension needs to be thought through about who is that target audience you're going after. Is the audience that you are going after also playing tennis, right? This goes back to the first episode is really understanding your audience at the granular level and then extending your product around what that specific customer is going to use. But doing it too soon could be confusing in the market. So Roly, I understand where you're coming from with thinking about product extensions that are close to your existing products. You probably don't want to go from, we've got a men's brand and customers like that into, well, we're just going to copy what we did for men and do it for women and try to reinvent the wheel with a different customer base. You want to continue to work off of what you know about your existing customers. So when you think about extending the lifetime value, obviously there's going to be conflicting priorities. Well, should I go focus on finding new customers? Should I invest in retaining my customers? How do you think about that prioritization exercise and what should you be investing in customer retention? We know, I mentioned this even before, that acquiring a customer is twice as expensive as retaining or growing an existing customer. So the way I've seen, and this is something we use both on the B2B side as well, which is really understanding your customer's lifetime value. And that in simple terms is what do you expect a customer to be spending with you over the next several years? The challenge often is to really figure out what is that time frame. And so if you have enough data on your customers and you are a business that's been in operations for several years, you probably have a good sense of how much your customer spends over the last three to five years. But if you are a new customer, this exercise becomes much harder and it is more of a hypothesis-driven exercise where you take a real best guess at what do you believe your lifetime value of a customer is over the next three to five years. So example, if you are Untuck It and you know that on an average, your customer ends up buying three shirts a year. And on an average, each shirt is about 90 bucks. So three shirts over the years adds up to $270, right? So that's the lifetime value of a customer per year. And then imagine what that would look like over three to five years. You define what that lifetime value of that customer is and look at it in context of what it takes to really acquire a new customer. So for me, the more meaningful metric to think about is what I call LTV, which is lifetime value divided by cost of customer acquisition or CAC. So the ideal ratio for an LTV to CAC is anything between three to five, which really means you're making three times as much money off of your customer for every dollar that you've spent in acquiring them. So looking at the lifetime value in context of your cost of customer acquisition is to me far more meaningful. So to figure out whether you're doing enough investment on lifetime value, if you start seeing that your LTV to CAC ratio is below three, it actually tells you two things. It tells you, number one, you're spending too much in acquiring your customer and or you're not spending enough in retaining and growing your existing customer and capturing more value from your existing customers. 
So if the metric to think about it is if your LTV to CAC is below three, that's a good point to really ask yourself this question. Am I investing enough in creating that longer term relationship with my customer? And will they then spend more with us if we did have that product extension we talked about, or we had enough touch points along the customer journey to really bring that loyalty in and repeat purchase back? But if you're doing what I would say higher, if your LTV to CAC is higher than five, what that tells me is you're under investing in acquiring your customers, right? So you're doing well, your engine is operating really well in terms of capturing your lifetime value from the customer, but you might have an opportunity to increase your paid advertising and increase more on acquiring new customers. Okay. So if I'm in the position where my LTV to CAC ratio is under three, And the two ways to resolve that are spend less on your advertising. And I'm like, look, our advertising is optimized. It's as efficient as it's going to get. I need to raise the lifetime value of my customers to improve that ratio. What are the big strategies or what are some of the techniques that you've seen be successful for actually raising the LTV? I would do a couple of things. I would really understand what are some of the adjacent products you have already in your slew that you could be marketing back to the same customers. So strategically understanding what is your product set look like compared to what the customer could buy. So example, a shirt, right? We just talked about a untucked shirt. Knowing that Ben just bought a white shirt, could we be then marketing him a probably we're going into Christmas season, a Christmas shirt. What are other ways that we could be really selling more to the same buyer? So looking at ways to really drive that cross-promotion. To me, I think it cross-promotion, obviously, it's like, hey, you bought one thing, let's continue to market to you. And, and honestly, that's the lowest hanging fruit is we're just not going to forget about you once you become a customer. We're going to build in marketing programs and we're going to make them tailored to your specific experience and take the data that we have to try to present to you Maybe Ben wants a Christmas shirt. I don't know why I'm talking about myself in the third person. Maybe I want a Christmas shirt. Maybe I want a Halloween shirt. Maybe I want a Hanukkah shirt. Maybe I want a New Year's shirt. Who knows which shirt I'm going to want, but you know my size, right? You know what colors I like. So whenever there is a presentation, you can have something picked out just for you because we already have customer data on you. So leveraging the existing data you have to customizing the buying experience to me is the the effective way to cross-sell. You also mentioned this earlier where maybe it's not necessarily just trying to get you to buy a one-off product, but maybe it's moving more into a different business model. Hey, you bought a shirt. Would you like us to dry clean it for you? Hey, you bought a shirt. We will refresh that shirt for you every year because white shirts never stay white. So give us your $100 and we'll send you another shirt next year and it's 50% off the price. Some sort of a subscription model, replacement model building in more services than you are specific products. Are there any other ways that you could think of kind of tapping into that SaaS type model that e-commerce businesses have been successful with? I think the example that I shared earlier, which is the example of Sephora, right? So Sephora has been really good with creating that community and creating the opportunity to not just cross-sell, but really delivering value. The other example that comes to mind is actually yoga attire. So we now know that Ben is into yoga and we could cross-sell other products that are similar to you. We could also sell potentially access or subscription to a yoga studio. So this is where 
brands could start creating more partnerships with other similar brands and start creating more opportunity to pull through other products through cross promotion. So this is where like, I think there's no one model that fits all, but really deepening your thinking of how your product can create more cross sell, but also just even thinking about how you could be using marketing tools like retargeting to be able to get the right product in front of you at the right time, knowing that you are actually out in the market looking for it. Here's a list. We should turn this into a blog post, but off the top of our heads, what we've talked about so far, the five ways that you can increase your customer's lifetime value customized experiences using the data from their first purchase, try to capture new purchases, build in a subscription model that we talked about. You can build in a subscription model. You can do referrals to other brands and services. Let's call those partnerships. You can do customer referrals where you get a discount if one of your friend uses a service. And then the last one I'll bring up we haven't talked about, and obviously marketers think about this in different fashions, is take that data that you got. It's valuable data. Is there a way that you can use that in some sort of monetization fashion? Hey, we're going to resell our data to other brands that are similar that might be interested in marketing these customers for their products and services. So off the top of our head, there's five ways that you can increase your customer lifetime value. That's going to make a great breakout video or a tweet or blog post, whatever we decide to do with it. On the fifth one, it becomes really interesting and potentially an interesting conversation for us to have is around data privacy and how we really think about data privacy, given all the new regulations that are coming in. That's a perfect lead into our next conversation. And that wraps up this episode of e-commerce growth week on the MarTech podcast. Thanks to Roly Saxiana, president of AdRoll, for joining us. If you'd like to hear more of Roly and AdRoll's tips to building an effective e-commerce business, we're going to publish an episode every day this week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and check back with us tomorrow morning when we talk about e-commerce customer data and privacy. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Roly, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact her on Twitter where her handle is Roly Saxiana, R-O-L-I-S-A-X-E-N-A, or you could visit her company's website, which is adroll.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our once a week newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Schapp, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.